Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 107. And this week, we are talking about two things that both of us have seen. And it hasn't really even been a month since they came out, which for you and me is doing pretty darn good. I think so, definitely, since it can take two, three months for me to catch up on something. Yeah. So this is going to be a spoilerific podcast because I figure we can't really talk about these two things and dance around the plot points. So... Warning, big ol' spoilers for Season 2 of Stranger Things and Thor Ragnarok. Which I just watched Thor Ragnarok today. Yes, so that's the one we're going to start with since that's like freshest in your mind anyway. So, all right. I had said, we'll start it with this. I had said that there were going to be two Loki moments that you in particular were going to like. And one of them was going to be kind of subtle and the other one was going to be more ee. But I could see those two things flipping around as well. One of them you may have actually liked more than the one I thought you would like. Okay, I can identify one of them definitely. It was, of course, Thor and Loki meeting Doctor Strange. Yes, that was so (laughs) awesome. (laughs) I've been falling for a half an hour. (laughs) I loved every moment of that. I just, I want Benedict Cumberbatch to be in all of the Marvel movies now. Gosh, and interacting with all the people. I mean, he has good comedic timing. He really does. He does. Boy, that that American accent of his is really odd, though, isn't it? It's really strange. I mean, I think he's a fantastic actor. And I think his American accent is fun to listen to. I just don't know that that's an accent that actually appears anywhere in the natural world. (laughs) No, I don't. I'm not sure that it does. I remember when I saw the previews for the Doctor Strange movie and heard his American accent for the first time, I swear I thought he's got the same voice coach as Hugh Laurie, because I thought his American accent was very similar to Hugh Laurie's American accent. Which is bizarre, because I always bought Hugh Laurie's accent uh, in-house. There never seemed anything unnatural about his accent. In fact, it shocked me to actually watch something after a House episode with him in his British accent, and then hear that difference there. And that was the thing. I totally thought it during the trailer, but then when I saw the actual Doctor Strange movie, I'm like, no, I'm not seeing it as much anymore. So I said, oh, traffic noise. (laughs) Drink. Drink. So now I want to know what you would think would be the other moment that I kind of figured that would be the moment, but I thought there was another moment that you would actually particularly like. Okay, well... Okay, I liked his fight with the Valkyrie. I did like that, especially since... Valkyrie was my favorite character, or at least I loved her scenes the best in this movie. Just, I don't know why, everything about her was great, and that flashback scene of her and the other Valkyries fighting Hela, wow, that was beautiful. That was just gorgeous. So I loved seeing her interaction with Loki. (sighs) But if it comes to a subtle scene that I really liked, I guess there was one thing that stood out to me. It was when... Loki and Thor are marching through, you know, the building to get to the ship that they're going to steal. And Loki opens a door and a guy comes in and attacks and Thor just knocks him up to the ceiling. Guy falls down in front of Loki and Loki says, all right, just a minute. <laughs> I loved that little, that little bit of timing there was so spot on. Yes, I did think that she would like that. The scene that I had been thinking that she would like At one point, I can't remember if it's Loki and Thor or Loki and somebody else, but Loki has this big 
fuck off gun. <laughs> and he's just like blasting everything away. And he has this new outfit. And I believe that was probably done on purpose. Apparently the, the traditional Loki long coat outfit that he's got on is really uncomfortable. And he has to be like practically sewn into the thing. So this black outfit that he was wearing looked a lot more comfortable. But at one point he's just walking along with this giant ass gun and he's taking these long strides with those long legs that he's gotten. And I'm like, Ooh, I'm, I'm liking everything about this. It's just that a very quick moment, but I'm like, yes, all of this. Yes, oh, that's well, great. I mean, I loved the battle scene when he's, I think his helmet gets knocked off and it almost slows down to a full slow-mo or whatever. And you see him like turning around like, ooh, that looks great. <laughs> but I mean, come on. I would go see a movie if I knew it was the only place that I could see a commercial airing before it with Loki selling Coca-Cola products. I mean, that yeah, is yeah. how dedicated I am to the Loki. Oh, God. And this movie had, man, it's so funny that the movies are on the surface marketed towards a male audience. You know, it's comic books, it's superheroes and everything, traditionally a male audience, you know, between a certain age. And yet there was so much eye candy for the ladies in this movie. I mean, holy cow. Like Thor at one point, he's all shirtless and everything. And then he pulls a shirt on one point and Jade is sitting beside me. She's like, take it back off, take it back off. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about that because you had told me that Hela's her helmet with all of the horns that yes. that was an actual digital effect for the most part because it's really hard to move in it yeah, although yeah. you know it did have a physical part of it so that you know she would be able to move like she was wearing something just maybe not that huge thing i'm telling you chris hemsworth turns around at one of those points when he doesn't have a shirt on and his like pants are hanging down just above his hip bones whatever and mm. i was just thinking if someone told me his torso was CGI'd to look perfect, I would believe you because yeah. that was amazing. Yeah, I always wonder about that because, you know, you hear about them doing that to women quite a lot, you know, digitally doing this, that or the other to achieve some kind of standard of beauty. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did it to the guys, too. I mean, I know, like... Uh, what was it, the 300 movie? Mm -hmm. And, you know, all the Spartans walking around. And they totally, like, their abs were all, like, not even all digitally done. Like, a lot of it looked like makeup. Like, it was painted on abs, which I'm fine with that, you know. But I, I always wonder, like, for the guys, how much of them are sculpted digitally to look that good? Well, and there was this whole to-do about the Justice League movie, and a bunch of people were complaining that the Amazons armor that they were wearing you know in wonder woman the amazon armor was all functional it was all yeah. actually made to be able to move in and to protect them and then you get to the justice league and you see some amazons fighting or exercising or whatever and it's just you know the midriff is completely bare so they look like cheerleaders and yeah. people thought that was stupid and i can't believe you know they they decide to take something that has a little bit of basis in reality and then no 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 we've just got to turn around to the eye candy and then someone like a guy popped up and it was like oh yeah objectifying i'm sure you women were all talking about how objectifying it was for the guys in 300 to go around without any shirts on i'm like okay that's fair yeah it is <laughs> also really, really fair i heard the exact same thing when it talked about aquaman i mean you've got that <laughs> scene where he's like turning around in the water i'm like 
Man, yeah, he's objectified like crazy, and I'm into it. I have to admit it. I mean, what's good for the gander is good for the goose, I suppose. So it's, yeah, I, yeah. I, they, they have a point on that one. They really do. I yeah, admit, so, but, but yeah, yeah I, I thought the Thor movie, it was over the top. And oh, it, you God, were right. Yeah. It was very ridiculous in places. It was also fun. Yes, yes, very much. Oh, and the guy, I can't remember, the guy who played the rock-like creature mm-hmm. in the gladiatorial. You know that's the director's voice on that. Is it really? Oh, I didn't yes. know that. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, that guy stole the scene a couple times. I haven't even had a chance to take a look at the trivia for this movie yet. Have you looked up? Is there anything that you can remember? I think I have. There's a lot of it. I think it's another one of those that because there's, I mean, the trivia section on IMDb gets longer and longer with every movie because the internet and everybody trades this information. But I'll tell you, there's one, one thing that I didn't care for. And Leland and I talked about this, I believe, over on Lost in Sci-Fi. One thing I didn't like was Valkyrie's outfit at the end of the movie. You didn't like the armor that she was wearing? The gold bodysuit thing that she had and everything. I didn't care for it. It just looked a little... And, you know, and then there's another thing. She's got this big giant gun in the ship at one point, and she's, you know, firing away at it and everything, and she's kind of using her hips at it and everything, and I'm like... It looked really super phallic. I like... Yeah, right! If it had been a guy actually using that, it would have been obscene. Yeah, exactly, and she does it, and I'm like... Well, I mean, I think they were just going along with the trend. You know, this is the tone of the movie and it's over the top and it's like, we don't care. We're going to go for all the things and I'm fine with that. I just thought aesthetically, I just didn't think the gold body suit looked very good. I thought the things she was wearing in the rest of the movie looked pretty cool. And this thing, I mean, it just, like they talk about being too revealing and everything, but this was covering her from neck to ankles. And I was like... I could have done with a slightly sexier look, you know? Uh, I don't know. It didn't occur to me on that. I was just... Every one of her scenes had something in it that was fun. I mean, especially from her opening scene when she dramatically steps out of her ship, tossing the bottle of whatever alcoholic beverage she's been drinking behind her, and she says, he's mine. And then she just goes over sideways. (laughs) (laughs) Just down. It's like, okay, well, that's it. I like this character. And Chris Hemsworth, he's got a lot of great comedic timing. He really he does. does. Well, that was another uh, Valkyrie scene where she says he wants to convince her to help him save Asgard. And she says, you can talk until I finish this bottle and then I'm out of here. And he starts talking and she downs it. And he's uh, this pause. He's like, wow. <laughs> he's really impressed. He really is. <laughs> oh, my God. And then, of course, we've got a naked hulk butt going on and then he walks past thor and thor is like oh that's that's in my brain now he just looks so (laughs) upset it's a lot of great i've heard there's a few people who didn't like the bruce banner scenes very much because they thought it made bruce banner look to be a little goofy and maybe almost a little cowardly and i'm like it's really true to the character because in the avengers movies it's i mean he's actually when he's outside of his Hulk persona, he's a scientist. He's this normal guy, and he certainly has never been off planet, you know? So I thought no, it was very and the, and that, that was a very realistic uh, response from somebody who's never been to another world, and suddenly yeah. he's surrounded <laughs> by people yeah, from a different planet. So yeah, I thought I liked that. I mean, I, I liked the fact that he was kind of thrown by the fact that he and Valkyrie knew that they knew each other, but of course they didn't know how they knew each other because she knew the Hulk. But, you know, Thor's going on about the fact that they're going to be the Revengers and I want revenge and you want revenge and Banner and Banner just kind of like flubs. I did that. I'm undecided. (laughs) Still smiling. (laughs) 
just, it was a lot of really cute moments and a lot of, Anthony Hopkins, of course, did amazingly well. I hear that he was filming his scenes in this and his stuff in one of the Transformers movies at a very similar amount of time. I would hope that he enjoyed the filming of this one a bit more. I would hope so, but, you know, is this going to be his last one? Is this the swan song for Odin now that Odin is dead? Maybe. I don't know. It could be. I don't know. But I, I really liked the, I really liked what they did there. I did too. But I was wondering about that. Do you suppose Odin died because he'd been stranded on Earth and possibly not in, like, really a great surroundings? Or was it he just ready to go because his wife had passed away in the last movie? I think they left that up to the imagination. I was wondering the same thing because, you know, Thor kind of was definitely blaming Loki for having him been on the planet, but it didn't sound like he was blaming him for having sort of tricked everybody and put him on the planet for a while, it almost sounded like he was blaming Loki for Odin's death. So I don't know. I'll tell you the only thing that it, it wasn't that I didn't like it. It was that I was just a tiny bit disappointed in the character that Thor appears on Asgard and Loki's been pretending to be Odin and his way of pretending to be Odin is sitting in a couch as thor said he's sitting around in his dressing gown watching a play and eating grapes and i'm like yeah i expected more from loki i really did uh, i don't yeah. know why possibly because i'm thinking a little more of the tortured sort of loki character finding out that he's adopted and then the the loki that i really really liked that i you know fell in love with in the avengers and then you get to hear and it's like well it's a thor movie it's going to be a little sillier yeah so we had sam neil in that little play within a movie uh sam neil's playing odin and that was actually one of the hemsworth brothers playing thor you know one of the other <laughs> hemsworth did you all right i missed it i completely missed it i heard the audience laugh and i didn't get it did you see who was playing Loki in the little play within a Thor? Wait a minute, it was... Oh, Nathan said it, and I completely can't remember. Who was it? Matt Damon. Nathan said that, I'm looking at it going, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> I didn't either. I totally didn't get it. And I didn't believe it either, but I looked it up, and yeah, that's actually him. I mean, I, I'm going to be looking for it the next time I see the movie, because I definitely want to see it again, but I swear I had to have somebody tell me that. I did not understand. Nope. I asked Jada after the movie, I'm like... So when they looked at Loki, everybody laughed. Why did they laugh? And she's like, because it was Matt Damon. Was it? <laughs> Nathan right? said that. And I'm just, he said, ha it's Matt Damon. I'm like, what, the person playing Thor? I mean, I'm looking at Loki. I'm like, I'm totally not seeing this. No, no. But yeah, all in all, just a really funny movie with really good special effects. Oh, yeah. And I, I, we stayed for the credit sequences. And I understand the... The mid-credits scene kind of leads into um, Guardians, I think, or a little something that happens in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which I still haven't seen, so I need to see that yet. But the last one, <laughs> the actual end credit scene, the timing on that one was perfect. I mean, the games master crawls out of the shuttle or wherever it was that, you know, that he'd been thrown to in this revolution and talks yeah. about everyone's done a really great job on this revolution, including me, because you can't have a revolution without someone to revolt against. So it's a tie. 
Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought Jeff Goldblum did a very good job. He I really did. Yeah, well, he, yeah. he just embraced the ridiculousness of the character and oh, all yeah. of the bits where he's projected out over the, you know, everything in the city. That was really yes. well done, too. Extremely. And I don't believe that uh, mid credit scene was actually for Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I think it was actually for Infinity War. But there is some speculation, which I have totally not researched to find out what people are saying about it. But everybody I've talked to has said that that's leading into Infinity War. Oh, yeah. But I thought there was maybe something in the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, something having to do with uh, Thor appearing on a windshield somewhere. Oh, yes. You know what? It's been a while since I've seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I'm going to have to watch it again. (laughs) I I honestly don't remember. And I could have researched it before this podcast, but have you met us? Well, why would we prepare? Hell no. So moving right along from Thor Ragnarok, so we've got Stranger Things Season 2, and I'll tell you the biggest takeaway I had, well, I had two big takeaways. The second biggest takeaway I had from that was that at the end of Season 1, I was all disappointed that Nancy ended up with Steve because I wanted her to end up with Jonathan. And then, spoilers, of course, she ends up with Jonathan in this one, and I'm actually like, oh, but Steve was really cool. I really like Steve. Steve, like, it wasn't that he really needed to redeem himself, but he sort of did. He was mm-hmm. he was the second choice, and he needed to redeem himself from that. And he did a great job just by teaming up with the kids, which I yes. loved. The fact that he did, like, Dustin, you like, stumbles across him, and he's like, all right, well, let's get into your car and go, and I'll tell you everything that's going to happen. And if, I loved the fact that, in just about every episode, there was a reason to stop lying to another one of the characters. People yes. kept finding out what was going on, so you didn't have quite so much of the stress of, oh my god, this person has no idea that this craziness is happening around them. Well, yeah, they kind of do now. Yeah, no, but I guess the other biggest takeaway I had from that is... Oh. Poor Bob. Poor Bob. Damn it. And you know what? It was like midway through that episode where Bob buys it and he's being all awesome. And I tell Nathan, I really hope they're not going to be killing off the most likable character on the whole damn show. And they did. (laughs) They totally did. You know what? What that was? That was a Joss Whedon move right there. Just It was. Find the person who has actually interacted with all of these different characters and had a positive interaction with all of them. And he saves the day multiple times. So what do you do? You kill him so that everybody knows that the peril is real for everybody else and I hated it I did too and that I kept on expecting for his first few episodes I'm like Bob's gonna be the guy that she's dating just so that she doesn't have to be alone but no she really liked him they really liked each other and it was fun or he's gonna be clueless or he'll secretly be a jerk and everything no everything about Bob on the surface was Bob all the way through. And so that made it even more sad when he died. I'm like, he was genuinely a really good person. And I remember you telling me, because I had said in one of our episodes that I just loved the wall and people dressing as the wall from the first season. You said, oh, there's something that can be used as, you know, the wall in this one. Like, yes, there is. (laughs) Yep. All those pieces of paper all over making that giant map through the whole house, which I loved. And I've already talked with my coworkers because a couple years ago, we did uh, Stranger Things group costume and you know people were various characters and whatever and we sort of decorated up our area at work well this year I think we're gonna actually do that with like the area around our desks just have like make 
tons of pieces of paper and plaster them all over the place and up on the ceilings and all over. And so that'll be our version of the wall this time. Yes, well, somebody could actually wear a costume as the wall just by taking like post-it sized pieces of paper and sticking yes. it all up over them with the crayon scribbles all over everything. And then we were talking about what the actual people could dress up if you're not doing the wall. But, you know, you could do the regular characters if you wanted to. But then also there's Eleven's sister and her group of people. And at one point when they're going to rob a bank, they're all wearing those Halloween masks. And I'm like, there you go. There's a group costume. That's another group costume. And it's odd. A friend of ours uh, was sort of, she just decided she had the day off from work. So she binge watched the entire season in one day. And she was making comments after she finished each one. I'm not 100% sure I'd have to look back on it, but I think she hated that episode with eight really? with eight in her like posse. I think because it was it really bucked the theme or the the way that all the rest of the episodes were. This was completely different and very very like music video 80s as opposed to just 80s 80s for the rest of the season. Yeah, I actually I felt that was the weakest episode. I mean, I didn't hate it, but it wasn't my favorite. It just I see what they're doing. This show is going to have a season three. You know it is. It's way too popular to not have a season three. So they were setting up for a storyline for season three, which will be good because when this storyline comes in in season three, it won't feel like it came out of nowhere. I get that. But unfortunately, it felt like it came out of nowhere in this season. Well, I really do hope you're right about that because I told Nathan when we finished watching this season, I said, you know what I hope for season three? I hope season three is not about rescuing Will. Yeah, poor Will. My God, that kid cannot catch a break. He's you know? been put through so damn much. So and uh, oh man, and that exorcist scene when they they're burning it and it's actually burning him. Like the the episode ends with that terrible, awful scream. Oh, oh man, <laughs> boy. But let me tell you, Nancy, she's a surprising badass in this. Like you know, right? they're they're having to try to defend themselves, and Hopper is you know he's holding the gun, he's holding it out to. I think it was. Jonathan I think it was or, I think it, yeah Jonathan or Steve I can't remember Jonathan one or, or two. Steve whatever it's like can you use this he's like what and it's like I can he tosses it to her and she takes it and she cocks it into action I'm like ooh I like that <laughs> that was fun that was all kinds <laughs> of fun oh plus in the end you know poor Dustin he's like he's all bummed out because nobody will dance with him and she sees him and dances with him in a way that it didn't seem I don't know it didn't seem like she she obviously felt sorry for him. She really yeah, did. Yeah, but it wasn't, she made sure that this wasn't just a pity thing. Like, she right. was telling him, you're awesome. And girls that your age are kind of clueless, but they'll get better. Aww. Yeah. 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 Just, I, I did was, like that. I like that. Yeah, that was really sweet. Oh, let me tell you, though, some of the special effects and some of the scenes, I think possibly my favorite image from the entire season it's 11 and hopper and they're riding that elevator down to the gate and everything's glowing red and she's reaching out at one point to try to close the gate and you're seeing the what is it they're calling them demo dogs now or the the young like demogorgon that, yeah, yeah. something like that yeah you yeah. start seeing them crawling down the wall hopper turns around and there's that one moment when they're silhouetted on the elevator against the red and hopper's bringing his gun around that was an amazing shot right yes. there i mean i i want to go back and watch that whole episode just for that one shot i'm a fan of pretty much any of the episodes where the mind flare is in the sky you know this tendrils reach out and 
that huge head looking down and everything's so weird in the upside down and the strange flakes falling out the sky and the light and everything. I really, every time they showed that scene, I really loved it. And such a panicky moment when Hopper's down in the tunnels and the way he got in is closed up and he's down there and you just you see in his eyes how screwed he is because he has no idea how to get out. No. And he's looking around and he's not finding the entrance and then he gets grabbed by the tendrils, whatever. Like, oh, I thought we might have lost him on that one, but I, guess, too. Yeah. I guess we possibly couldn't because he still has the story to play with L and everything. But yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I just, I think in some ways, I think I like this season better than the first season. Just too, because yeah. I think everyone started from a point where a lot of the main characters already knew the messed up stuff that was going on. Right. And I think if you Google all the pop culture references in Stranger Things, there's a list of all the things that you see that is kind of goes into the whole love letter that they have done for the 80s for this show. And it's all so respectful. You know, this is not like a, a TV show that's like, oh, look at the 80s and how goofy they were. Man, you know, we, if you grew up in the 80s, you will remember so much of this stuff. And it just it just makes your heart kind of happy. To yeah, and, and that could be possibly why that episode with uh, Eight and her posse in the city, that might have been why it wasn't quite as popular with everybody, because that did sort of push the limit on the 80s. Like, this was, that really felt more like music video 80s, so. Yeah, but. yeah, which is, I mean, it was fine. Like I said, I didn't hate it, but I just, I liked all the other stuff better. I just, I'm just going back to Bob, I just remember when they're they're telling him, you know, we need your help, but we can't tell you what this is about, and you just, and he's seeing this whole map thing that's going on in the house, and he's really, he's angry because they won't tell him anything, and then he's halfway through, and he suddenly realizes a thing and the next thing you know he is totally into it he is because he's got a problem to solve and he just chases down that problem and he becomes the same good-natured happy helpful bob and it just was nice saves the day and also he gave some uh important information i think for the next season which is you know he points out that the tunnels that the thing is digging throughout the entire map don't ever cross water. And then he turns on the sprinkler system at one point inside the facility and the monsters run for it. So water may be a thing that, you know, might actually be able to stop them. I don't know. It does make sense in that it does seem like the upside down is really... It's almost emaciated the way there's just no no water, no nothing. It's all very dry and the, the true. flames yeah. sort of things flickering about. It's also, I guess, it's probably the whole idea that it's definitely dead. Everything in the under in the upside down is dead. So and water is technically like a life giving thing. So it's like it's opposite, I suppose. So you do so. have to wonder I mean, L was the one Eleven was the one that opened up the gate between our world and the upside down. Do we know anything about the Upside Down other than that it's been the source of this shadow thing trying to come through? Or Not yet. I don't think we've been given that information. You know, I had assumed that it was actually created by the secret government lab, but it actually was discovered by them, I suppose. Yeah, I think so. And I'm, I'll have to watch it again. Not a problem. But in the very final scene when you see you know you're pulling back from the dance and everything's bright and happy and then things start turning upside down and then you yeah. see underneath it looked like there were in the tr- the school building in the upside down it looked like it was strung with streamers so i want to know how much of the upside down 
how much does it reflect what's going on in the real world? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because I don't know. Is it an exact copy? Is it a scene of the future? It's kind of hard to tell. Do things change in the upside down as things move around? I don't know. We're gonna, certainly going to find out. But hey, how... Paul Reiser's character was pretty fun, too, wasn't he? He was. I was not expecting that. I thought he was going to be a purely bad guy pretending to be a good guy, but he ended up being somebody who's dealing with a bad situation and maybe not making all the right choices, but still. Yeah, which is good because I was afraid that he was basically going to be a rehash of his character in... Aliens? Aliens. Aliens, right? Yeah, Yeah. I think so. Yeah. (laughs) I was thinking that's what it was going to be. Yeah, I remember, I think I remember reading a uh, interview with him at one point with that character that his mom watched the movie and she was happy when his character died. (laughs) Yeah, that's saying something. He was a jerk. (laughs) So yeah, I think Nathan said they're definitely approved for a third season. They might be doing a fourth season, but I think that's where they're going to stop. And Mm. if... If the story started in 1986, I think that would be appropriate because that would probably that would probably make the story end when the 1980s end. And since this is a love letter to the 80s, that that works. Yeah, that's true. I really am curious. I haven't talked to anybody because I I know a lot of people who are between six and seven and ten years younger than me, and so I wonder if this show resonates with them. Do they enjoy it as much? I mean, how much of how much of our love for this show is based on the fact that we grew up in the 80s? I mean, they always say, like, the time that you're in high school kind of dictates what decade you really connect to. And so that would be us for the 80s. But what do younger people think of this? I don't know. I, for some reason, I just flashed to um, the uh, the big interview that Tom Hiddleston did or the his appearance on The Nerdist at uh, San Diego Comic-Con in yeah. 2003. Uh, 13? Something like I think that. It was, I think it was 13. I think you're 13, right. 13, yeah. And he made some mention at one point to the awful 80s music, and there was this rumbling Ooh. boo. And then he said, no, no, I meant the really good 80s music. I'm like, okay, that makes sense, because he was born in 1984. So we, he would have been in high school in 1990s, which meant that would be the decade that he connected to. Whereas, you know, right. we were born in the 70s. We don't like the 70s really much at all, no, as far as no. Music or fashion or whatever. So no, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. But you never can tell because apparently there's been this resurgence in popularity of the show Friends because it's recently either on Netflix or Hulu or whatever. And there's all these millennials, and I don't use that disparagingly. That's just the generation they were born. All these millennials who are discovering it for the first time and they love it. So you know, it's like who knows? Yeah, who whether that's actually somebody tapping into the zeitgeist of the millennials or the fact that it was just a really funny show. Yeah, <laughs> you can't get a, it was high quality, I think. Yeah, and I would guess Stranger Things is too popular for it to only be popular with a kind of a small subset of the population who happened to grow up in the 1980s and were watching TV at the time. But yeah. Uh, anything else you wanted to add on the show? No, I I just man, it makes me want to go back and watch the first season again so then I can watch the second season again. Right. That's, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, I definitely want to watch the second season again. But for some reason, I can't do that until I watch the first season. Again. Yes, exactly. So, but I mean, the only other thing I'm catching up on is we have one more episode left to go with the Twin Peaks season three. Ooh, 
nice. Oh. Very nice. Wow, guys, this show is weird. This is this is the kind of I don't know if he's been building up to this level of weirdness or if this was the kind of weirdness that he would have done with the original series if he hadn't had to deal with producers and censors and all that other stuff. I mean, this show is fucking weird. There's no other way to put it. Okay. I haven't even watched a single episode yet. I think so. you'll <laughs> like it. It's it's very disturbing. Yeah, all right. It's on my list, along with all the other things. Had you ever watched Fire Walk with Me? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes, finally watched yeah. that. It's on the Criterion Collection now, which uh, Nathan oh, has uh, one of the Roku channels that we've got gets that. So I may want to sit down and watch it again because I think it really applies to everything that's going on in this season. Right. Yeah, I remember watching it very, very late at night by myself. That's not wishing, a good idea. No, I probably shouldn't have done that. It was creepy as hell. It was like 10 times creepier than the show. Like, I've talked to people who said, oh, I never watched the original Twin Peaks, but I watched Fire Walk with me, and I didn't like it. And I'm like, it's not really the same feel. That was something that he wanted to do to try to expand on the stuff that he had told in the first two seasons. And it didn't really go over well with a lot of people because it was so different from the original series. And so much more depressing. I mean, because it's basically leading up to Laura Palmer's death. Yeah, and it's it's all the stuff. I mean... The fact that she'd been getting molested by her father was something that was, you know, that was what we were supposed to infer from everything that went on in the first two seasons. But no one ever actually came out and said that she was raped by her father. So, and that was what Fire Walk With Me gets into detail. So, yeah, Yeah. really, really disturbing. Not... I don't know that there's been that much focus on that element of everything, I don't know. It's so impossible to say what this season has been about. <laughs> just, man. I can imagine asking that. Hey, what's the new season of Twin Peaks about? I have no idea. I don't know. I'm sorry, you guys. <laughs> I really... It's And there's been so many, like, mini storylines and two people sitting and having a conversation and... You really don't know how much of that is going to come back and be important later or how much is just there for no reason. So it's another season that I have to watch a second time through to try to figure out, oh, so that's what those two people were talking about this entire time. Because if I hadn't been reading the recaps on uh, Entertainment Weekly, I wouldn't have a clue. Okay. And it's certainly not like they're setting up for another season because there's not going to be another season. No, I think think David Lynch has actually confirmed that. He's like, no. No, we're we're done. But I do want to read. Mark Frost has a uh, the final dossier for Twin Peaks, and uh, Ooh, nice. once we finish watching this episode, I will be going out and buying that and reviewing it very quickly because I want to find out what the hell. <laughs> that's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all of the book reviews, all of the comic book reviews. We had a really good week this week. Catherine did a review of Neil Gaiman and Colleen Doran's Trollbridge graphic novel, or was it a graphic novel or a book? It was a graphic Uh, novel. It was a graphic novel, yeah. Sort of a short graphic novel. Yeah, so Neil Gaiman and Colleen Doran and Dark Horse Publishing retweeted the link to the review. That was excellent of them. And then the next day, I did a review of Transformers Lost Light number 11, and James Roberts retweeted that. So I told Catherine about that, and Catherine's like, we're on fire. We really are. (laughs) And was really, that was really, I mean, it's like, it's a gesture from them that 
probably doesn't take them too much time and it just means the world to us because all of a sudden our page views explode well that and it's also a little intimidating because we're like wait a minute the people that we're talking about are actually reading this stuff right (laughs) how how can i ever feel comfortable saying what i don't like about something if i know they're actually gonna see it geez i swear to god if i really hate something i've gotten to where i just won't put a review up because i'm like they're going to see it. They are. And it's not even it's not even that we're just like this big, giant, popular site. They're going to see it on the authors and artists actually seek out reviews of their stuff. They're looking for it and they'll find it, too. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. So, yeah. And in book reviews, comic book reviews, podcasts, Leland's Spook Easy podcast and the Lost in Sci-Fi podcast. And Jordan has the video game reviews. Jordan and Stephanie are going to the PlayStation Experience in December I tried to get them press passes and didn't get anywhere. They tried to get press passes and got them. So they're wow. going to play t- PlayStation Experience, and uh, they'll have a write-up on all that. So look out for all of that. PixelatedGeek.com. And I have no idea what next week's recording is going to be about. We went into this week's recording and last week's recording with a total plan. Next week, no plan. No plan, no plan. Other than the fact that it's probably Christmas by the time that happens. I don't know. Time is weird. Time is weird. We're trying to build up a backlog of episodes so we don't get behind. But, you know, we'll see how that plan goes. (laughs) One way or the other, though, we will talk to everybody probably in one week. Talk to y'all later. we can hit stop.